theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. can cause you to sing like the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I I feel like we're in an atmosphere that is charged with faith. I feel like this room is filled with faith. Praise God. I feel like your hearts are full of faith. Praise God. Come on, if you're full of faith, just say, I got it, I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it. Not only do I got it, go ahead and say, I'm going to use it. Come on, say, I'm going to use my faith. Praise God. I'm going to work my faith for the glory of God. Praise God. Amen. I, uh, just for the, this week, next week, the last week, I'm just all over the place, not in chronological sequence, obviously, but last week I started a series. I'll continue that today and next week. And I really do believe that this will be a pivotal time in the history of Extraordinary Church. I'm preaching a series called Dream Big. And I want you all, thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to be with us next Sunday. And then you don't want to miss uh, the 14th of November. We're going to have Pastor Sean Stickler with us. And I just know God is going to blow this place up. Praise God. You want to be with us in Jesus' name. Let's open up our books, our Bible. You know, the Bible is the book, but let's open up the Bible or open up your Bible app, if you will. And, you know, we haven't done this in a while. We need, I need to get back to it. Forgive me, Lord. But hold that Bible in the air or hold your mobile device in the air when you have it on your Bible app opened. Are you ready? Follow after me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. And I can be what it says I can be. Praise God. I believe that in Jesus' name. I do, I do, I do. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And then we're going to stay in Joshua to chapter 14. Let's look at this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. What a wonderful way to be known. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, praise God. I was reading that today. You know what I did, Sarah? I just looked under my feet. I said, praise God. It's mine. It's mine. I believe that in Jesus' name. 
Let's look at Joshua 14. Joshua 14, beginning at verse 6 through 14. Thankful for a great praise team, band, did a wonderful job. The anointing of God is on their lives. Joshua 14, 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, and ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong as this day, as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And in this series called Dream Big, I want to preach this thought to you. Own the dream. Own the dream. Would you help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, right now I'm declaring a transfer of ownership, God. We, our hands are open, our hearts are open. Lord, I am praying right now that somebody would get up and own the dream. Own the dream to it brings them out of inaction and they begin to pursue what you've given them, God. Own the dream and they'll see their family saved. Own the dream and they'll launch that ministry. Own the dream and write that book. Own the dream and serve the unfortunate. Own the dream, God, to make a difference of helping ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Clap your hands into the Lord. Look at your neighbor, say it loud so they can hear you. Own the dream. Own the dream. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hey, look what I remembered to do. Praise God. I just remembered to time myself. Uneasiness. That's what everyone is saying right now. It's uneasy. We are living in an uneasy day. People don't seem to know what the future has in store for them. COVID has seemed to turn upside down the economies and topple, I'm telling you, situations of academia. We have found municipalities struggling and grappling for direction and guidance. COVID and other systems have really brought to the forefront uneasiness. 
But I still believe that God wants to give his children great things in the middle of COVID. I still believe that the Lord will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. I believe that God has honored you and God has honored me to live in this moment to achieve great things. We have not come to fear this day, but I believe we have come to shape it. I believe that God is ready to allow his light to shine brightly, for we are his church, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. It might be dark and sin may be abounding, but where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound, and God is ready to move greatly in this season i believe that the church has a great future let me just tell you i don't see how you can come to any other conclusion that the church has a great future i've already read the book and i know we win I believe Extraordinary Church has a great future. I believe we have people that understand servanthood, and it's not about positions, and it's not about attaining things, but it's about a kingdom impact for the glory of God. We've gotten over ourselves, and I believe we are a church family ready to serve the rich and the poor and treat them no differently. We're a family ready to serve black, white. I'm telling you, I could go down the list. We are ready to serve and love everybody. We are ready to serve and love those that are educated and uneducated we are ready to serve whatever political affiliation you might have we are ready to show you the love of God and expose you to the power of God I know that extraordinary church has a great future we exist we exist to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ and yes, I said it earlier, by faith we are the fastest growing church in all of Canada. And thank you, Elvis, reaching the world. I believe that with my whole heart. And because of that, we will not settle for second best. We will not rest on any success that we have experienced, and we won't blame others for our failures, but we will be the church in these last days that will turn their world upside down, where people will know and say, if you want to be healed, if you want your marriage to be restored, there's a people that are meeting at 2500 Mimosa Road. You better go see them. You don't need to go see a counselor, and I'm not minimizing that, but we know the great counselor. We know the great physician. His name is Jesus. Jesus. And if you know him, give him praise. Praise God. We live in a day where, where people, though, are afraid to achieve. People, they, they, they're trembling at triumph. They are scared for and of success. In the last days, the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them, talking about fear. And we are living in a fearful day. Now, I realize people don't just come up to you and say, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. No, you, but you hear the shivering tones of fear in their voices when they say things like, life is too difficult. Life is too painful. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. We were talking about him earlier this week. He said it like this, God is too good to be unkind, too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. 
You might not see the hand of God, but you can trust the heart of God. You can know that God will never leave you nor forsake you and that he has your back. So put aside the excuses of I'm too young or I'm too old. Put aside the excuses of I'm mentally and emotionally drained and I'm burned out or I'm physically exhausted. I'm not minimizing any of those things, but put aside the excuses of I don't have the financial resources or I'm afraid to face a new path because this is unknown to me or I can't survive in a crisis or I can't do this alone. Put aside the excuses and declare that I can do all things with Jesus Christ. I can do it because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Robert Murray said this, what a man is, he alone, he is alone on his knees before God and no more. I think the problem is sometimes we attempt to do things and we try to do them outside of Jesus Christ. But the scripture is emphatically clear. It says that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I mean, I, 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 you know, can't make that any clearer. <laughs> apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can face opposition and criticism. With him, we can make hard decisions. With him, we can take prolonged pressure because we understand that we've got something on the inside. We've got meat or purpose that people know not of. We are not intimidated by the pressure. As a matter of fact, we won't fold, we won't bend, we won't bow to the tune and music of culture. But I tell you, we will lift up the banner of Jesus Christ and declare that he is here, the kingdom of God is here, and all you have to do is respond to the call of God that has gone out and you'll experience freedom in Jesus Christ. I know the future can be frightening. We're talking about dreaming big and making a difference, but can I tell you, God wants you to succeed. God wants his church to succeed. Now, I'm not talking, this is not, I'm not talking about Akil Thompson's ministry because it's got nothing to do with me. I'm talking about the kingdom of God is here. God wants his bride, his church, to be successful. It is not his will. It is the will of God that none perish, but that all come to repentance. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is here so that we can make a difference for the kingdom. Let me tell you how you can... God will guide you because some of you are wondering, well, how do I know God wants me to dream big? I'm going to let you know right now that you can just kind of, you ever, you know, um, take the lid off something and you just kind of realize, you, you know, and it's jammed, you try to take it off, but you just have to hit it on the bottom a little bit to loosen it. I feel like, you know what, we just kind of, I feel like COVID has just kind of jarred us a little bit so we could just, the Lord could just take the lid off. And we can take the lid off of our faith and take the lid off of our understanding and realize what God wants to do. I want to give you seven ways in which God will guide you, okay? God will give you direction. The first is his word. This is really important. I'm not going to preach this. I don't have time to even teach this. But his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It will reveal the direction for which you and I need to go. Remember, we told you this. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. The only way you can be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. And the only thing that will wash you is the word of God. The word of God is spirit and life, Jesus said. And we need that in our families. We we need it in our spirits. We need it on the job and our college campuses. 
Another way God will guide you, and i got to hurry with relates to this, prayer. Praise God for a praying church. We got it coming up. Prayer and fasting is coming up November 9th through the 11th. And then we're going to have a prayer service here the 12th of November at 730 for 90 minutes. Come help us touch God. It's going to be a beautiful time in his presence. Also, his spirit, his spirit is another way. His, uh, our conscience is another way God guides us and directs us. Circumstances, godly counsel. Make sure it's godly counsel. Let me just tell you right now, there's a difference between prophesying and prophesying. I ain't never, I ain't never heard, I, I, don't, I don't know where it is in the book where it's like uh, somebody in this room. I got a word for somebody in this room or somebody in this room need healing. Can I tell you, when God gives you a word specifically from godly counsel or prophet, they will come specifically to you knowing exactly what's happening and speak a word to you that will get right down to the bottom of what you're dealing with. You got to know the word of God and you got to have godly counsel in your life. The next thing is fasting. And I expected that response. I knew, I, I, I knew. One time I'm going to say prayer and fast, fasting in particular, and somebody going to shout, praise God. <laughs> fasting, I know, because fasting will do that to you. You're like, there he go. November 9th, didn't we just have prayer and fasting? <laughs> I mean, that's the one time. Look, you could have fasted like five years ago, right? But you'd be like, man, what, what happened? <laughs> didn't we just fast like last week? And you already know when you decide to fast, you already know you're going to get an invitation to go out to eat to your favorite restaurant. Okay, they go, somebody goes, I mean, whenever I decide to fast, that's when all y'all want to be like, man, let's just make Pastor kill some apple pie. That's what I mean, praise. Yeah, that's when y'all decide to go to the apple orchard, pick the apples yourself. Boil them, and you, I mean, you make it, and then, praise God. It just seems like, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? It just seems like, praise God. Whenever, I'm, whenever I decide to fast, that's when Consuelo want to make me some empanadas. I'm sorry, praise God. <laughs> now, if you, if you start looking at the ways that God guides us, you'll become convinced of three things. He's concerned. He doesn't want you to get tied to one way of knowing him. And then the third is he wants you to seek after him. God wants you and I to spend time seeking him. See, once we find him, you find direction. He is direction. Once you pursue him, he will pull you into your destiny. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Moses found God in a burning bush, and he got direction. Can I tell you, we have to seek him, and we have to be led of his spirit. You want to be a son of God? Be led of the spirit. We need to be led of the spirit, and the only way we can be led of the spirit is to seek him to be dependent upon him to run after him are there any is there anybody that's saying i'm coming after you god i'm going to seek you with all that i have this is how i know we're going to impact the world because we are a group of passionate followers of jesus christ who are seeking him with all that we have so let me give you some practical ways we can seek god read his word second a vital prayer life 
Now I don't want anybody to start tripping because you might be like, man, pray. I'm not talking. I want you to pray passionately. He wants you to pray passionately. But prayer is just communion with God, communicating. You're just talking to the Lord. And what you're doing is, I'll give you an example. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. When you pray, you are invoking heaven. When you pray, you're including God. And this is why, when, and just put this in your back pocket, whenever you confess, make sure you're confessing to somebody that's going to pray. If their response is not prayer, then don't confess. But confess to prayers, amen? So we need a vital prayer life. And third, church involvement. Serve, yes, serve, get involved. I'm thankful for our E-Kids staff who's down there celebrating and ministering to our world changers that God is raising up. I'm thankful for our guest services team and those that are working online right now. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for those that are serving behind the scenes, praying. You're making a difference. Let me give you another. Faithful witnessing. Share. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a difference. Let me just put this in your pocket, too. There's a difference between inviting somebody to church and declaring what God has done in your life. Now, invite people to church, of course. But what I really would like is for us to take the church to them. Praise God. And you know how you do that? By telling them what God has done in your life. Now, you ain't got to preach a sermon, but you know what? You can open up your mouth and declare, man, God has changed my life. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. And people are like, man, I, I always wondered. I always knew there was something different about you. I couldn't put my finger on it. But you're telling me it's God. And I'm, they're like, wow. I'm like, yeah, God is real. And you can have him. You can be filled with his spirit. God wants to do that. Let's witness faithfully. And let me just help you right now. There's nothing. You want to take care of burnout? Whew. Win somebody to God. Fifth, a holy lifestyle. And then sixth, good stewardship. Good stewardship. Now, let me hurry up and move along here in, in the text. Moses is dead, and he saw the promised land but was not permitted to go in. He journeyed to the top of Mount Nebo, and that's where the archangel Michael took care of his burial, so much so that Satan could not find him. That's not in Genesis or Exodus, excuse me, but it is in the book of Jude, verse 9, if you want to find out about that. Moses was dead, and you can imagine this is a traumatic moment for the nation of Israel. Their leader was dead. The one who parted the waters was gone. The one who prayed for them, the one who interceded for them, gone. Moses was dead. The one that they leaned on, the one that they put their trust in. It was time, though, for Israel to grow, and they did not realize that. Can I tell you, it is in sometimes the most difficult situations in which you grow. It was time for them to move forward and seize the promised land. Sometimes in our difficulties, we will allow our faith to be arrested and we'll find our spirit man paralyzed. But that is not the time for you to be frozen. You need to move forward in faith and realize that God has something for you. So God speaks to his people through Joshua in the opening verses of this book of conquest that we talked about. And he gave him some interesting in instruction. For 30 days, Israel had stopped in their pilgrimage, and they grieved. And they had come to a place where they lay down and quit. Their grief, their confusion had brought them to a low. And what causes us to stop? What causes us to give up? 
It can be grief. It can be misunderstanding. It can be confusion, strife, envy, all other sorts of tricks of the enemy. Let me tell you this too. You know what? Somebody did some research on churches that were in the decline. I want to give you some of the things that the cues that are present in some of these churches that were in decline. One, a spirit of immorality. Two, a spirit of competition. What's the church across town doing? Can I tell you, I tell my wife this all the time. Our leaders know this. I have no clue what any other church in the community is doing. None. I have none. I am completely obsessed with us being a biblical church and the best church that extraordinary church can be. And let me just help you out. We're not here to compete with other churches. If we were being biblical, we would complete one another. So we're here to complete one another, not compete with one another. Then there's a spirit of defensiveness in these churches that are declined. They're worried about how well people fit in and how well they'll be viewed. That's why we say no perfect people allowed here at Extraordinary Church. In other words, what we're saying is you could leave your reputation in the car. <laughs> you could check your ego out in the parking lot, praise God. We're not worried about that here. But if you're broken and can't get it together, you're in the perfect place for imperfect people. Something else that they had, a spirit of survival. They'd recessed into a state of just preservation and maintenance. But the church is called to grow. That's why I believe and declared in the midst of COVID, when we couldn't even meet, we were going to see 50 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, and see 50, 50 people baptized in Jesus' name. And you know what? We have seen people receive the Holy Ghost while they're on FaceTime and Zoom. God is doing it, and he's bigger than technology. You ought to give God praise. When the world said we couldn't grow, extraordinary church did grow. When the world said we couldn't expand, extraordinary church did expand God is doing it and something else that was there for churches that were not growing they were receding a spirit of fear where they focus and allow the enemy they focus upon the enemy and they focus on circumstances but we're not going to focus on the enemy and we're not going to focus on circumstances we're going to focus on Jesus Christ and him alone so what am I telling you? God told the people of Israel, he said, arise, get up, and stand on my promises. Can I tell you, the God that we serve neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't wear out and he doesn't need a nap. He promised that we would receive the heathen for an inheritance. He promised that we would receive the desires of our hearts. And you know what? He is waiting for us to say, give me my mountain. What am I telling you? He is waiting for you to own the dream. Give me this city. Give me this region. Give me this nation. I'm ready to reach the world. I'm trying to get an extraordinary church to own the dream, to dream big and own it. We will have multiple campuses. I need you to own it. We will affect the world. I need you to own it. We will turn this region upside down. I need you to own it. I'm declaring that this nation will be known as a godly nation. I need you to own it. I'm declaring that greater works shall you do. Why? I need you to own it. Own the dream. Own the dream. Praise God. Come on and give him praise. Woo. We got to own the dream, DL. We got to own it. This is not just mine. This is yours. 
You got to own it. When you own it, you steward it. When you own it, you believe in it. When you own it, you invest in it. When you own it, oh, somebody, somebody say own it, own it. You got to own the dream. So he tells them, arise. And then he says, go. See, go is found 252 times in the New Testament, 1,240 times in the Old Testament, a total of 1,492 times in Scripture. The first time the word go was used was with a man named Noah. You remember Noah. It's when the ark was ready. God said, come into the ark, indicating that God's presence was within the ark. But when the ark came to rest on that mountain, God commanded Noah, go. Go out of the ark, indicating his will, the result. Noah went forth. See, go is what we need to hear at this precise moment. Whew. We have stayed in a place of security. I'm in the Holy Ghost. And comfort far too long. We have hid, and I'm not fronting on anybody, and I ain't throwing any shade at anybody. But God is calling you to come on out, go, and own the dream. This was the commandment that the Lord gave to his church on the morning of the new age of grace. Go ye into all the world. Sophia, if you want to start a campus ministry, go. If you want to help somebody, uh, go help the poor, go. If you want to be a soul winner, go. If you want to have a burden to see prayer started and thriving in this church, go. If you want to start an electric, faith-filled chain reaction of authentic worshiping, can I tell you, go. If you want to be used of God, go. If you want to teach a Bible study, go. If you want to help us launch a prison ministry, go. If you want to help us turn this world upside down, go. 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 So many good ideas die because instead of, instead of engaging and immersing ourselves in the moment, we try to get others to help us. And I'm not minimizing teamwork because I believe it takes teamwork. We're all about team here at EC. But if God wants you to do something, can I tell you, immerse yourself in that. And when you own the, I want you to hear me. When you own the dream and you completely immerse yourself into that process, you will never have to ask somebody to come help you. They'll ask you, can I come help? Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? When we lead, you know what? It's my desire to create such a culture of faith and excitement and life change that is biblical, that turns the world upside down, that I'm prophesying right now, that churches will come and say, I want to be a part of the Extraordinary Church Network, that other leaders will come and say, I want to be a part of the Extraordinary Church Network. Why? Because of what we're doing. It's not about us. It's for the kingdom. I believe God is looking, and I'm talking about you right now. God is raising up leaders in this kingdom who will launch ministries and who will launch methods 
in which you will impact the kingdom of God for his glory. People will come and ask you, why? Because you fully immersed yourself in him. Don't hold back. Don't be 25% in. Don't be 50% in. Be all the way in. When you give God praise, be all in. When you give him worship, be all in. When you respond in faith, be all in. When you come to church, be all in. Don't come waiting to be entertained. Don't come waiting. Say, I'm going all in for what God has for me. I'm all in for Jesus. Come on and give him praise. Got to own the dream. You got to own the dream. And I'm thankful. My ministry, I've told you all before, this is like 1% of ministry. Ministry is really serving God and serving others. So little of it is behind the pulpit. And my ministry began well in advance of me ever finding a pulpit or God calling me to a pulpit. But I'm also thankful for a great team because laboring with me at this church are incredible ministers and preachers and teachers and ministries that we couldn't do what we do with. We just couldn't do it without them. I'm thankful for the anointed and prophetic worship of Sarah and Isabella and Jordan and Detana and Trisha. I give God praise for an anointed team who loves the Lord and worships with all their heart. I'm thankful for the assistance of an Isabella Sandoval. I'm thankful for the relentless and tenacious commitment of a band like Mia, Marcus, Jaden, and Alex. I'm thankful for the stability and encouragement and commitment of a Pastor Barry and Nadine. I'm thankful for the gospel conviction of a Pastor Mateo Garcia. I'm thankful for the flexibility, passion, and hospitality of an Elvis and Rihanna Shipdow. I'm thankful for the willingness of a Michelle Williams to forge and build something extraordinary in our kids. What am I telling you? God is telling us to go. The fields are white unto harvest. Go and own the dream. Arise and go. That's what God said to Joshua. God gave the same commandment to Jacob. Arise and go. He gave the same commandment to Elijah. Arise, go meet King Ahab. He gave the same commandment to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh. See, we will arise. We will go into the fields white under harvest. Go, E.C., for the night is falling. Go, E.C., for the world is calling. Go, E.C., for Christ is coming. Go, E.C., for a new world is dawning. See, Joshua 2, excuse me, Joshua 1, verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Oh, I love this. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you, as I said to Moses. See, Moses is dead, but God is not. The same promise that God gave to Moses, he wishes to give to you. Since the giver of gifts is still in the giving business, we should be receiving. <laughs> I'm going to hurry up and land this plane. Watch. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Caleb's story. So Caleb was granddaddy. He was the oldest man alive when Israel captured the promised land, 85 years old. He'd been watching God work for some 45 years. And the more he saw of God, the bigger God got to Caleb. It was after all the Israelites had conquered everything that was worth conquering that Caleb said, 
I want Hebron. The toughest fortress of all. He said, give me Hebron. Give it to me. See, I want you to understand this. To live our lives, to have an impact on the future, we must live in the light. We must live them in the light of eternity. What happens is we'll get trapped by the trivial. Sometimes we'll be paralyzed by the present. We lose sight of what is truly important, and in our busyness, we forget what it's all about. Caleb trusted God for the long haul. Can I encourage you? Trust God for the long haul. Oh, how his heart must have pounded within him when he remembered that Moses had promised him this mountain of for this fortress of Hebron to him. Were there obstacles? Clearly, this was the toughest city of them all. Yet, Caleb, how could you know that if you would possess the promised possession, it would become the capital city of Judah, the highest place of praise? Caleb, how did you know that David would one day be anointed king? Here would be a city of refuge for all of Israel. Caleb, it was promised to you. Fight for it. Can I tell you, if you'll own the dream this afternoon, fight the good fight of faith. Hear me, extraordinary church. I want you to be encouraged like Ahab, cry out. I'm telling you like Caleb, declare, give me my mountain. Caleb said, I'm going to see it. It was promised to me. I'm going to see it on the dream. I believe it. You know what? The Lord told me this when we first arrived. I've told you all this story before. It's the only like straight up vision God has ever given me. Now I've had some imaginations, maybe some creative, sanctified, you know, images. But this was born of the Spirit. I was here, not here, but I was in Mississauga, and we were feeling like God had called us here. And I said, Lord, what is it you want me to say to the people? I've got messages. You know, I had to a catalog of sermons that I prepared over the years, but I wanted a thus saith the Lord. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. Well, I didn't get anything, and it was, I was getting nervous. It was like 10, 11 o'clock, and I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? And I told my family, I was like, man, I, I got the bubble guts. I was getting, that's how nervous I was getting, Jordan. Jordan looking at me like, I know what, I, I know what you're talking about. I was like, I need you to show up, Lord, and give me something. Okay, 30 minutes, so I got to hurry up. So, you know what? The Lord spoke very clearly to me, and he said, and I'll never forget this as he was saying it. He took me to the highest place in Mississauga, and he said, I have issued a call. And when he said that, in the, I saw the call cover the region. As far as my eyes could see, the call was going out. I saw it over the highway and the cars traveling. I had never been to Danville Park before and did not know it was the highest elevated point in Mississauga, but that's where God had shown me. He said, I have issued a call, and if you will let me, my spirit will draw people, and they will abandon all for the call. I'm telling you right now in Jesus' name, I see it. I see a passionate, we have it, but I see an army of young people and young adults marching for the Lord Jesus Christ, turning their world upside down. I see young families coming in the droves, reaching and sharing and loving and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see us reaching elders and widows. I see us making a difference in every ethnicity possible. I see a place where the Hindu and the Buddhist can come in contact with a God who loves them. I see a place where the Muslim can find out that Jesus Christ loves them and cares for them. I have a place where Jesus Christ is the answer for the transsexual, the bisexual, the heterosexual, the homosexual. He is the answer. And I'm telling you, the call is going out. 
if you believe it, give him praise. My God, I need somebody to own the dream this afternoon. I need somebody to say, Pastor, I see it. Pastor, I'll own it. Pastor, I'll steward it. Pastor, I'll invest in it. By the grace of God, you need to stand up and declare, give me my city. Give me this region. Give me this world. Give me my mountain. Praise God. Somebody give him praise. Woo. Feel the Holy Ghost. Princess, I want you to come. Band, y'all go ahead and come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say a few more things, but I want to hurry up and get through this and stay in what I feel like God has got for us because I feel a shift. I feel like it's here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's just take a moment and wait on him. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, come on, come on, tell somebody, I'm going to own the dream. Come on, that's it, tell them, I'm going to own the dream. Right now, Lord, I'm declaring a transfer, an impartation of ownership. Come on, if that's your prayer and you're willing to own the dream, I want you to lift your hands and receive the download by faith. I'm declaring right now in the name of Jesus, even for those that are watching online, a supernatural download into their spirit, God, a transfer of ownership, Lord. I'm declaring that right now. Well, they'll begin to look through a different lens, Lord, a lens of stewardship and management under your ownership, God. I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus that they'll begin to care for the city, love this region, nurture this region, and the people therein, God, because you've given us this region in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let me tell you quickly. I don't have time. I don't have time to get it, but I'm going to move quickly. You ready? Watch this. F seven things that Caleb did. One, he clearly identified what, what, what he wanted. Two, he focused on what is promised. Three, he made God the source. Four, he never stopped believing. Five, he made an unwavering commitment. Six, he waited for the right time. And seven, he possessed what God had already given him. Praise God. God promised it to Caleb. And Caleb said, it's mine. See, that was Caleb's inheritance. A promise had been given to him. And it didn't matter if he was 45 years old. In God's world, that's only a breath away. An inheritance is different than a promise. An inheritance is something that has already been given to you. But to make your inheritance your possession, you must reach out and take it yourself. You got to own it. This is why, as children of God, when you are born of the Spirit, otherwise, the Bible says you can't be His, but when you are born of the Spirit, your new birth experience, you're baptized in His name. See, He died. I know he's alive. I know he rose again. But when he died, we got a will. This is why you got to say this with conviction. Because this is the will. This is the will. This is why I can have what it says I can have. This is why I can be what it says I can be. This is why I can do what it says I can do. Because God gave it to me. But what you have to do is own it. You have to own it. I'm going to tell you something. Um, 
I've told this to EC in the beginning. I'll never forget this. We were here, and uh, I told Elvis. I said, Elvis, take out every chair, kind of like we've done now. <laughs> but they weren't all full. See, right now they're all full, praise God. <laughs> and you know what? It's going to be three or four times over, and we're going to be all over. We're going to have 36 campuses. you got to remember this. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I need you to own it. And so we had about 40, 50 chairs out. I can't remember how many. And I was just preaching. Preaching, hopefully like I was preaching now. Just preaching my guts out. At least I feel like I preach my guts out. You know, Damon, I don't, they guys got to encourage me. Praise God. When I get, to, when I get done, I'm just, y'all help dad get to the car. Praise God. No. I preach my guts out. And I said, Elvis, pull out every chair. And I preached a message called a piece, a piece of paper, just a few pieces of paper. And I put paper in every chair. And the reason why I did that is because the Lord taught me a valuable lesson many years ago. Many years ago, I was in, I'm from the city of Richmond, Virginia, and that's where I was born and raised. And I was driving an old Chevy pickup truck. I loved that Chevy pickup truck because it was made of steel. If something hit me, it was going to be in trouble. And it was maroon. It just rode so nice, man. I just love I don't know what I loved about it, but I just, something about a truck. You know, I just, I don't know what it was. Praise God. Just something about the truck. I don't know nothing about the truck. Praise God. I ain't no country, you know, but anyway, it was, it was fun. And so that truck was like my work truck. I didn't do a lot of work in it, praise God. But I, 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 I it felt good. It felt good to get in it. And I patched it up because I don't know nothing about cars. My name is not Omar Drafele. But I was, well, I needed Omar in my life then, praise God. Omar was driving, he would have been ashamed of me. I, <laughs> I was driving, and one of the side view mirrors was falling off. So I got some, this is, what, this is how I use electric tape, Elvis. I took some black electric tape and taped that bad boy together, praise God. I was driving one day, that thing just fell off, Ashley. I just kept going. I was like... Didn't have no AC or nothing, and I just, that thing fell off. I was there, just kept on going. I wasn't even worried about it that day. Got to the stoplight, a couple stoplights down at an intersection. I was on Brook Road. I'll never forget this. And there was a Walgreens right by Virginia Center Commons. I'm looking at some people that are from Richmond, so they know it's my family. Uh, there's this Walgreens there, and um, there was a bunch of trash. Now, if you all know me, I am what I call germ-aware. I'm not a germaphobe. But I am germ aware, okay? I'll dap you up, shake your hands, whatever. I'll, but I am going to immediately wash my hands. Or hand sanitizer, praise God. I'm, I'm going to do something. And the Lord was like, uh, go pick up the trash. And I was like, ain't my trash. And uh, he was, I was at the stoplight. And he was like, go pick up the trash. And uh, I was like, Lord, that's Walgreens' problem. They can fix that. Walgreens is like shopper's drug mart. I said, uh, go, they, Walgreens employees, they can get that. And uh, he was like, go get the trash. And I was like, what, what is this trash? You know I ain't got no gloves? Because I'll pick anything up with some gloves, praise God. Anyway, so the Lord said, go get the trash. And I was like, okay. So I pull over, get the trash. Man, the presence of the Lord is on me so strong. I start weeping uncontrollably, as a matter of fact. People probably thought I was crazy. 
because I was gathering up the trash. I was like, <laughs> I did pull it like, man, this brother really loves the earth. <laughs> I was like, this brother, because I was, I was like, <laughs> I was, I had all this trash, and by the time I stumbled into my truck, I threw it in the back of the truck, and I wept in the presence of the Lord for maybe half an hour or so. I didn't get any answer. Drove back to, to the church where I'd left, and my side view mirror was still there, so I picked that up too, praise God. Picked it up, put that in the back of the truck. I don't think I ever taped it back, but anyway. Uh, the Lord never spoke to me, uh, right away at least. And then 90, about 90 days later, he spoke to me and he said, do you know why I had you pick up the trash? No, this is what he said first. He said, do you believe I've given you this city? And I was like, yeah, Lord. And he asked me again, almost like an Ezekiel-like exchange. Do you believe I've given you this city? I said, yeah. I said, Lord, you know. You know I believe. And he said, that's why I had you pick up the trash. Because if you believe I've given you this city, then you'll own it. And then he goes on to say that there are people that feel like they've been thrown away. And it's your job to go and gather them. Pick them up. He said, they mean something to me. This is why to this day, I have a very tough time walking by trash because that's my calling. To go out and gather the broken. To gather those that feel like they've been discarded, feel like refuse. To let them know that we serve a God who will put you back together again and restore you. I want us all to stand. Extraordinary church, there has been much seed sown. Those before us have labored. You have labored and given yourself. You have sown and watered it with your tears. It's time to receive. It's time for you to own the dream. Can I tell you, Pastor Mateo and I, he reminded me about it and Consuelo told me about it, but you know what? She felt a burden and she got something going with a whole bunch of other ladies all around the world for prodigals. You know what she did? She stepped out in faith. Now there are many mothers benefiting from this every week. Thank you, Consuelo, for owning the dream. Sarah, I could preach this all day long. Sarah owned the dream and praise God. Look at what God is doing through her ministry, the anointed ministry of our praise and worship team. Sophia has owned the dream. And you know what? We have a college campus ministry that is reflective of 10 campuses. God is moving. Can I tell you if the Lord knows, the Lord knows it's time to go take your mountain. Alvin, this land is ours. Isabella, this region is ours. The promise is ours. Can I tell you, own the dream. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends. Extraordinary Church. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us 
info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.